welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted Dawson Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. This is Ted Brower. Austin may or may not be joining us later on today, so I just wanted to let you guys know that up front. He's trying to get back to the hotel. He was over in Tampa and got caught a little bit doing some stuff, and he's trying to get back for the broadcast. So, But I just want to basically let you guys know that he hopefully will be with us in a few minutes, maybe even 20 or 30. But let's talk about something real quick because, you know, this weekend, this past week, a lot of news has happened since Friday, and I really want to just say something about what's the primary story here. You know, can a sitting president of the United States call for an overthrow of the president of a, another country without political ramifications? Can the president announce on TV whether he's senile or not senile, whether he's an idiot or he's not an idiot, can he come in and start talking about removing somebody from power from another country, especially if the other power is the second most powerful nuclear state in the world? That would be Russia. Is that okay? Well, the answer is a resounding no. And, and here's why it's so important. I'm going to talk about this in detail this morning. It's really important that I, I've never really covered this in this type of detail right now, but I want to talk about it in detail and in depth. Do we really think that this is okay to happen when the United States has been involved with so many overthrows of so many countries in the world. And the answer is no, it's not okay. And why is it that Russia can invade Ukraine after they've been shelled in the Donbass region for, you know, seven, eight years now, up to 40,000 Russian citizens killed? And basically Putin comes in and says, you know, we're going to go ahead and, and fix this mess so our people won't be killed, be killed here. And yet, the United States and NATO, who are controlled via the international banking cartels through the once now defunct League of Nations, now called the United Nations, now called the CFR, whatever you want to call it, basically has come in and done so many regime changes. But that's OK. But if Russia is trying to protect its citizens, it's not OK. So let's talk about that in depth. And let me give you some information that goes back, back, way back, back to the beginning of this mess, back before the CIA, back when it was still called the OSS. And it was working in China. Now, I'm going to give you some names and dates and places. I'm going to tie all the pieces together for you. Chiang Kai-shek was born in 1887. He died in 1975. He was a Chinese national politician, a revolutionary military leader who served as the leader of the Republic of China from 1928 until 1949 in mainland China and then in Taiwan until his death in 1975. Now, Chiang Kai-shek worked in, with the United States government and, and used the Flying Tigers. The Flying Tigers, and I'm pulling this right off the Wikipedia pages. You guys can, I'm going to post it all on our website. The first American volunteer group from the Republic of China Air Force, nicknamed the Flying Tigers, was formed to help oppose the Japanese invasion of China. They operated in 1941 to 1942, and it was composed of pilots from the United States Army Air Corps, the Navy, and the Marine Corps, and was commanded by Claire Lee Chenault. The Curtis P-40B Warhawk aircraft marked with Chinese colors flew under the American control. Now, what's interesting about this stuff and why I'm telling you all this stuff in detail is we're going to talk about regime change and the formation of the CIA now and what they did and why they did what they did. Now, what was interesting with all of this is the CIA was first funded through – it was known as the OSS – through the Carnegie Foundation and the Rockefeller Foundation, you know – and the reality is this, the Carnegie Foundation was funded through the Rothschild banking cartel for this massive expansion in the steel industry. And the Rockefeller Rothschild groups, as far as the international bankers, were so intertwined by the 20s, 
that you could not tell if it was a Rockefeller fortune or a Rothschild fortune because, again, Carnegie and Rockefeller were both front guys for the, for the Rothschild banking cartel as far as the massive, massive expansion. Now, the Flying Tigers, one of their only purposes was to bring opium for Shanghai Czech into the United States through the, the military bases in the United States. They started bringing heroin to the United States to the Harlem Jazz Clubs in New York City to fund the opposition against what was going on with China and Japan invading it. Now, they felt as though the Harlem Jazz, Club, Jazz Clubs were basically singled out because they felt that the blacks who went to these Harlem Jazz Clubs were already decadent. And this is what, this is what they said. This is, this, is, this is crazy how racist these people were. They used Lucky Luciana basically to do all of this stuff and run the dope through New York City. And Lucky Luciana got busted in the 30s and was sentenced like, you know, for decades in prison. But what happened is the USS Normandy, which was the fastest turbine steamship ever built, it was 962 feet long. It was basically 117 feet wide and 180 foot tall. It was, it was in 1935, it was the fastest ship afloat. It, it could run 32 knots or about 37 miles an hour for a boat. That's incredible. It's the most powerful steam turbo electric ship ever built. And it was going to be used and reconverted as a troop transport boat in 1942. It was at the docks of, of New York City. And remember, Lucky Luciano was already off the scene. He'd been sentenced to years and years in prison. And the ship was burned and capsized at its moorings in New York City. You guys can look it up. You can look it up. SS Normandy. Now, because the mobs were controlling the docks in New York City, they gave Lucky Luciana a get-out-of-jail-free card. <laughs> okay, and he came to work for the OSS then to basically help promote and plan the invasion of Italy through Sicily because he was from he was Sicilian, and he worked exclusively with Jewish mobsters out of New York, including Meyer Lansky, Bugsy Siegel, and they, he tied this all together as far as setting up the actual mafiosa groups in the United States. Just thought I'd mention a little background on him too. Now, what was interesting about this is. When the CIA found out that they were basically funneling money to the Chinese government to stay for their million man army to basically sell, you know, peasants opium and sell opium to the jazz clubs in the United States, the CIA saw this as a way to fund their covert activities. And what they did, they basically set up Operation Gladio and Operation Condor in the United States in order to do this. And the reason I'm saying I'm telling you guys all of the back all this all of this stuff here is for one simple reason. I'm giving you all this background information to talk about what Biden said about overthrowing Putin. Now Biden's come back in now and he's saying, "Oh, I shouldn't have said that." And they're backtracking, backtracking, backtracking what they what he said, but what he said has already been said. So when the United States talks about this and they start talking about regime change, this is not a joke. We're talking about a precipitation that could cause World War Three, because suddenly, if something happens now to Putin, everybody's going to blame the United States. Just thought I'd mention that. And so that's the problem when you put a person like Biden into the White House, into presidential position, that's a complete and total moron who basically is senile. And he runs his mouth and says all kinds of stupid stuff all the time. Now, what ended up happening is this group of people with Operation Gladio – they started bombing places in Europe. 
and they started doing this in order. It, it was all fronts. Every everything they did in Europe with Operation Gladio was a CIA false flag operation. And we found that out through the different committees with the church committee when it basically it came back together in the 70s. They started doing the research on who in the world all of this stuff happened. Now, what's interesting about all of this stuff is that Operation Condor was used in South America. Now, you can pull this up you know, by yourself if you'd like, and it says Operation Condor. And, and it, it, you pull it up on the Wikipedia page, and it says it's also known as Plan Condor was a United States-backed operation campaign of political repression and t- state terror involving intelligence operations and assassination of opponents. It was officially and formally implemented in November 1975 by the right-wing dictatorships of the south southern cone of South America. Due to the clandestine nature, the precise number of deaths directly attributed to Operation Condor is highly disputed. Some estimates are at least 60,000 deaths can be attributed to Condor, roughly 30,000 of these in Argentina, and the archives of terror listed another 50,000 killed, 30,000 disappeared, and 400,000 in prison. Additionally, political, political, American political scientist J. Patrice Bashiri gives a figure of at least 402 killed in Condor operations, which grossed, which crossed national borders in the 2002 source. So this was a group of people that were being paid by our CIA to overthrow the governments of Argentina, Chile, Uruguay, Paraguay, Bolivia, Brazil, Ecuador, and Peru. We did this. The United States government provided planning, coordinating, and training, and the torture and technical support and military aid to the Juantas during the Johnson, Nixon, Ford, Carter, and Reagan administrations. Such support was frequently routed through the CIA. Now, Kennedy, when he came into power and he saw what was going on in Southeast Asia, John F. Kennedy, he wanted no part of any of this stuff. Now, I know that John F. Kennedy's father was involved with the mob. We all know that. We know what happened in Chicago with the ballot stuffing for his election. But I also know that when his PT boat was shot off underneath him in World War II and he was on that island and they were trying to kill him, I personally believe that he had an epiphany. Uh, I would almost equate it to a born-again experience, maybe not as much as accepting Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, but an experience of wanting the United States to remain great and not be taken over by these groups of people. So this is what happened you know, with Kennedy, with his assassination, with the fighting with the CIA, because Kennedy – did not want to have the drugs being grown in Southeast Asia being brought back into the United States to fund all of these black operations like Operation Gladio, the CIA, Operation Condor. So this is why and one of the reasons why John F. K. was assassinated, because he wanted to disband the CIA. In fact, if you listen to his meeting to the Newspapers Association, and I've played it before on the show, I'm not going to do that today, he talks about secret societies and secret governments and clandestine groups that work by night and not by day and how he said later on in that same speech that by the time he got out of office he was going to expose all of this stuff well he didn't expose it he was shot and a lot of people felt that because he had told stuff to Marilyn Monroe he wasn't supposed to a lot of people felt that because of Roswell he was going to expose that he wasn't supposed to a lot of people felt it was executive order 11110 which basically gave the treasury the right to start printing dollars again and not go through the federal reserve bank and what he wanted to do was getting us out of the, getting us out of Vietnam and all of this stuff. He basically was shot over all of this stuff. Now, any part of that, I don't know. A lot of people say it was because he refused to allow Israel to have nuclear weapons because he thought it would create too much of an instability 
in the Middle East because, you know, Israel was formed there in 47, 48. And, you know, right after that, you know, he basically he did not want to have them a nuclear power. So all of these things contributed to that. In addition to that, remember, the OSS and the CIA, they used the exchange stability fund starting in 1933, 34, when the Federal Reserve took over the Treasury pretty much to basically fund their black operations and run it through banks around the world to basically launder the cash. That's why so much of the budget that we have in the United States is still black ops. The congressional people that are involved in it may know about it, but the Congress in general doesn't know about it. The American population is never told what, what is going on. So I want to give you that background right now because it's important that we understand this. Then finally, Pope Pius VII, he formed the Vatican State in, for, the, for, for the Catholicism and created an independent state right there in the heart of Rome that's basically known as the Vatican. It has an obelisk in the middle of it, which is a, tri- a tribute to Osiris and Isis. It's a pure satanic obelisk. It basically is an erected penis they put there in the Vatican. It's all part of the ancient Canaanite worship that we've talked about so many times by this group of people that are running everything. And it's also the same obelisk as in D.C. It's called the Washington Monument. And it's also in the city of London in these three separate states that are all independent. This is basically the, the, the triunal, I guess you could say, the, the group, the three of them that basically work together to control the world through the international banking cartels. And Pope Pius set up the Vatican State that way because that way it was an independent state and it could not be audited. You know, the, the, you know, the Catholic, you know, you know, churches and all the other people that are involved in this stuff, they don't realize that, you know, they own huge companies. They own drug companies. They own natural gas companies. They own hotels. This is huge. The Godfather Three went into detail on this. Well, then Pope Pius VII took over, and he went to Dulles. He's going to basically stop communism, and Dulles uses Gladio to kill the communist leader, leaders and activates the Christian Democratic Party. And then basically to stop the communists, they basically the Vatican, the Institute for Religious Works, it was the bank that was being used by the CIA for laundering money for Gladio. The Gladio, again, was they were doing bombings all over Europe. They were false flags that generate money and revenue to fund the CIA. All top secret documents from the CIA were stored at the Vatican at that time. It was an independent state and it could not be audited. Then Meyer Lansky, who had worked with Lucky Luciano, he set up banks to fund the money to Panama and then to Italy. And then Luciani Ogigelli, G-E-L-L-I, he was another Masonic leader who was basically a high-level you know, mafioso boy also. He started meeting in the Masonic lodges to basically coordinate drug activities. You can't make this up, okay? And perhaps there's some, you know, you know, there's a book out there by John Salson. It's called "Why Catholics Cannot Be Masons," and it goes into detail about why secret societies are abhorrent to the Catholic faith. But and they were actually telling these Masons that if they joined, if the Catholic Church Catholics became Masons, they're going to be excommunicated. The Vatican started skimming 15% off the top. Gladio basically changed the ruling that Masons could now be Catholics, and they started taking over the Catholic Church in the 50s and the 60s. Now, I want to stop here for a second. I got a segue. This is when the Johnson Amendment was put into the government in the United States, where the churches could no longer discuss political movements and political activities from the pulpit. There had to be a separation of church and state. This is one of the primary reasons they did that. They did not want the pulpit talking about the organized crime and the running of drugs through the different churches, through the church banks, including the Catholic Church, and exposing it. 
That's why Johnson did this. In addition to this, this is when the pedophiles, the large amount of pedophiles, start coming into the Catholic Church. This is when the name it, claim it, blab it, grab it weirdos started coming into the Protestant churches and pushing the Schofield Reference Bible to make everybody think that basically they were going to get raptured, they were never going to have a problem, and they were going to basically live happily ever after, and nobody was ever going to go through the tribulation. This is when all of this stuff started, guys, in, in, in earnest. And, and people go, well, this is just absolutely crazy this is happening. Well, I know it's crazy. I've got that. But, but you know, this is how they orchestrated everything. In fact, uh, John Bolton, he wrote, he, wrote a, he wrote a text to me this morning, and I, I, I just, this guy's a good friend. He goes, you know, there are days when I wake up feeling we are gaining ground and others I don't. So many Christians are dumber than a bag of hammers, and he's right. Bound by the lie of the pre-trib rapture, I'm told so often, don't worry, God's got this. He's controlled. Yes, I know how the story ends, but the road to get there is wrought with confusion. He goes, I'm tired of warning people what is to come. The eyes, their eyes rolling, their condescending retorts have never bothered me, but I'm tired. I pray Jesus Christ continues to hold me in his will and continues to have me to do his will. I pray he finds me worthy. And that's kind of how we all feel, isn't it? Because now I'm really ripping the Band-Aid off of all of the stuff right now with you guys and how we got to this point. Remember, Gladio was controlled by the Masonic Lodges. They met in the Masonic Lodges to coordinate what was going on in Europe. This is the group that did this. And then it was so successful, they started Operation Condor. And, and what they would do with Operation Condor, the victims, most of them, were disappeared forever. And the current pope was involved in this in Argentina, Buenos Aires. When I went to Buenos Aires some 10 years ago now, and I went to his cathedral where he basically had been – you know, the, 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 the head, head clergy there, the head priest, everybody there hated him. They were so angry he had been made pope because they knew what he had done. Okay, Hundreds of victims, thousands, probably hundreds of thousands, honestly, were secretly deposed of. Some of them were tossed into the sea from planes or helicopters after being tied up, shackled to concrete blocks or drugged so they could barely move. You know, I mean, unbelievable. They were they were just throwing and this in this this pope, the current pope. He was involved in all of this, turning in his own parishioners to be tossed off the end of planes into the ocean. And, and when you stop and you look at all of this stuff, you go, why do these guys do stuff like that? Because they're completely steeped in evil. Remember how I've told you, you got the Jewish mafia, the Italian mafia, the uh, Russian mafia, the Irish mafia, the Chinese mafia. All these mafiosa groups work together in coordination with the international banking cartels in order to launder their money. You see it over and over and over again. Now in the United States, we've got 65 million people hooked on opiates. And they're being told now they can't get their basically their drugs, you know, their prescription drugs, which got them hooked through Purdue Pharma, Purdue Pharma and the Sackler family. So now they're turning to the streets to buy the drugs on the streets. This is happening all over the United States, 65 million people are hooked on these drugs. Well, this is the same thing they did in China with the opium wars in China. They, if you get people subdued enough, they don't try to fight against what's happening. They don't try to argue with you with what's going on. They just kind of go along with the flow with all of it. And see, this is what we have to understand. The Carnegie Institute is completely crawled by the Masonic Lodges. The, uh, you know, the CFR has a huge influence from the Masonic Lodges. The CFR is dedicated and committed to a one-world government a, a one-world religion, etc. They want to have a one-world operation going on where they can come in and control everything 
and have a one-world currency, a one-world religion, a one-world leader so to facilitate what they want to do. you got to realize that these red brigade, brigades that were working underneath you know, Operation Mockingbird in the Europe, they started bombing Europe from 1969 to 81. All of these, every single bombing was a CIA false flag. They want to get, quote, get rid of communism. No, they didn't. The United States embraced communism because the United States was being controlled by the international banking cartels that used both communism and capitalism as a break and as a gas pedal. I told you that's what Otto Kahn said. That's one of his exact quotes. They hold the world by its axis to control the outcome of what they want. And when you understand that Roosevelt and Churchill, and then it ended up being Truman, and, and all these different people, and Stalin all got together and split up Europe, and gave half of Europe over to the Russians and to the communists, why would a few years later would they want to be against communism? They used them against each other to create apparent opposites. That's what they've always done. And it's complete and total nonsense to believe that it wasn't all staged. So that's the irony of all of this stuff, and that's the thing that makes it all so incredibly confusing. Because, you know, Patton said in his letters, if you read them, he wanted to rearm the German troops that were still there in Europe, the 2,000 of them had been locked up behind barbed wire. Two, I'm sorry, 2 million of them had been locked up behind barbed wire. He kept an entire group of them basically armed and ready to go, the SS troops. Patton did personally because he wanted to rearm all the German troops and send them back into Russia to defeat communism. He knew the truth. But he ended up you know, being dead. Some people believe it. I, I also believe that he was murdered. But the, the irony of all of this stuff is – they wanted the communism They because here's the communist. See, the Russian Orthodox Church was so powerful you know, in Russia, and the Orthodox Church was so powerful, the Catholic Church was so powerful in Eastern Europe and in Poland and Czechoslovakia and Hungary, all these different countries. They had to break the back of the church to basically break the will of the people and to take all their hope away. Because when you have hope in Jesus, when you have hope in Christ, you're willing to put up with a lot of stuff because you've got hope in a better future. Well, hope's a very powerful tool. But they didn't want the people to have that tool. They had to break it, break it down to a godless society, and they had to destroy the Russian Orthodox Church. That's why communism was so ineffective in Europe was because of the church. And that's why the Soviet Union fell apart and couldn't feed itself anymore, and the wall came down in Berlin because these individual countries were all starving. Because when you get a person basically involved in communism and they don't want to work anymore, and everybody has to basically – everybody wants to ride in the cart. Nobody wants to pull the cart. Pretty soon you start running out of food. You start having shortages. This is why this same group that did the Russian Revolution in 1933, we've talked about this in depth, started the Frankfurt School at Goethe University. Actually, it was started in, you know, in, in Switzerland, then went back into, 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 into Germany, then went back to Switzerland in 1933, then came to the United States at Columbia University to overthrow the cultural norms of the United States, to bring decadence to us to destroy Christianity. This is the same group that's running and slinging the drugs through their international banking cartels. It's all tied together. That's the thing you have to understand. Everybody needs to understand when they listen to the show that it's the same group doing all of this stuff. These Red Brigades started bombing Europe in 69 to 81 to get rid of communism. Total lie. Okay, They did it through Operation Gladio. The United States did all of it through the CIA. Everyone who was appointed by the CIA was approved and appointed by the CFR. The Council on Foreign Relations, which was funded by the Rothschilds after the failing of the League of Nations. Operation Condor did the same thing in South America, and it wanted the resources from these South American countries that had nothing to do with communism. 
the Catholic Masons literally rounded up thousands in South America and killed them in South America, Brazil, Bolivia, Paraguay, Uruguay, Argentina, and Chile. And Chile. This is the group that did this through our CIA, and it was all revealed through the church committee when the Congress investigated it. You know, and if you understand this, you know, these Catholic priests would turn on their own people to have them killed. A primary priest who turned on their own people was the current Pope Francis. He was primary in the Operation Condor. The Church Committee basically wanted to investigate Operation Gladio, and it shows the CIA doing all of this stuff. Pope John Paul I, he wanted to get rid of all this stuff and get the Vatican out of this mess, and he was killed after 33 days because he was going to oppose the Masons in the Vatican Bank. A lot of people say that William Casey came from the CIA basically is the, is the man who had Pope John Paul I killed. I don't know that. That's a lot of speculation. Then Pope John Paul II, he set up a dummy corporation to launder money in Panama because he wanted to get more money for the Catholic Church. And then he basically refused to pay the money back that he had set up. And then a guy by the name of Shackley, who was another CIA operative, shot the pope. But he didn't die. All of this stuff happened, you know, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. And then we had Vietnam. Basically, the CIA is basically their place for drugs. You know, in Saigon was a, a distributor point for the CIA for drugs, and all the money for the CIA for drugs basically, you know, was being pushed back through Operation Gladio, pushed back through Operation Condor, and all the other CIA operations overthrowing these countries around the world because they didn't have to worry about getting funding from Congress to do all of this stuff. Well, then what happened is <laughs> Laos and Cambodia were also growing poppy, but they weren't under control for the CIA. So guess what we started doing? We started bombing, mass carpet bombing Laos and Cambodia and spraying their poppy fields with Agent Orange. <laughs> I mean, you can't even make this crap up. And so then all these soldiers getting exposed to Agent Orange, they ended up, ended up having cancer. And then with every casket that came over from Vietnam, when the CIA was in full swing, there were 50 kilos of heroin in the casket with the GI. That's 100 pounds of, of, of drugs, 100 pounds of heroin. And so they didn't have an incentive not to have a huge body count. I personally believe, this is my opinion, that's why the Vietnam War was run so badly. They didn't care how many troops they killed because every troop that came over in a body bag or in a casket, they were shoving dope into the, body, into the casket. There was a lot of money funding the CIA. And so in a way, over 50,000 Americans killed. Well, that's right there. Pretty, pretty awful when you think about that, just that. And how, why, did it, why is it that they take a hill and lose 100 men? And then turn the hill back over to the Viet Cong. Then a month later, take the same hill again, lose another 100 men. And this went on for years. And when Kennedy saw what was going on, he wanted us out of all of this stuff. He wanted us basically to be shed of the CIA once and for all. But they wanted to go in and destroy the poppy fields in Laos and Cambodia. Then they used the Gulf of Tonka, which is a complete false flag. Some people say it never happened. I don't believe it ever happened. They used that to start a war, to bring more troops over there to get rid of the competition. But however, the problem was they started spraying and geoengineering those areas over there and trying to flood out the Ho Chi Minh Trail, etc. But it caused a huge drought in the poppy fields by doing that. So these poppies died, and they weren't producing the heroin they needed to. So in 1978, the CIA moved the poppy fields to Afghanistan. Uh, you can't make it up. Well, then in 1979, the USSR invades Afghanistan. And the USA, to get rid of Russia so the USSR couldn't be in Afghanistan, started providing $1 billion a year to Mushamuddin to combat Russia, which ended up bankrupting the Soviet Union after 10 years. 
And then they had open limits on how many poppies they could raise and how much heroin they could produce for the CIA out of Afghanistan. Some estimates are up to 95% of the heroin in the world is produced through Afghanistan. Yeah, I mean, think through this for a second. Then in the United States, the Taliban gets control of Afghanistan. They start burning and killing the, just killing the people raising the poppy. And the CIA had a massive shortage of heroin. It's from 1998 to 1999 to 2000 because Afghanistan wasn't producing anymore because the, <laughs> the, the religious sect over there decided that they were going to shut it all down. So what is the United, what, what happens? We have 2001, we have 9-11. And we don't go after the countries involved in, quote, 9-11, which a lot of people feel is also a false flag. We go after Afghanistan. And we basically start running the poppy back up again and running the heroin production back up again. And hence, we end up with a 20-year war in Afghanistan. And now we have all these independent military co- you know, contractors there guarding the poppy fields. I've got so many of my friends who listen to the show who were basically military personnel who drove around the poppy fields in their Hummers. And they were told never to touch the poppies. And there's literally a thousand square miles of poppy being cultivated in Afghanistan as we speak. You know, when when Obama was there, it was about 450 square miles. And when Trump got there, it ended up being about a thousand square miles. And it's still about a thousand square miles now. But now they have fentanyl. Now they have the synthetic opiates that that are very, very powerful. And their, their need for having as much opium and as much heroin as they needed is not there anymore because they can mass produce stuff using fentanyl in laboratories. But we did not abandon Afghanistan as we some as we were told. We just put private contractors in Afghanistan to continue to control the production of heroin, so the CIA could run airplanes, C-130 transport planes over a thousand military bases around the world, in order to continue to fund the drugs that are being shipped globally at 1.5 trillion dollars a year. My last count that I had to basically fund these black operations. And that's where we find ourselves. So therefore, when the absolute moronic, senile Biden says we need to take Putin out of office, he needs to be deposed, it ain't a joke. I've just barely scratched the surface on what the United States has been involved in in the past 70 years. I mean, think about it for a second. When Lucky Luciano got involved with the Port of New York and they basically got him out of jail – you know, he was deported to Cuba, then he got deported back over to Sicily. But he never spent any more jail time. That's when the United States government got in bed with the mafia. Right there. That's when it happened during World War II when the SS Normandy was sunk at its piers in nineteen forty two. So this has been going on now for what's that, sixty, seventy, you know, eighty years approximately now that we've been involved with the mafioso groups in the United States with organized crime. And think through that for a second, and you start realizing the interactions between the international banking cartels, the mafiosa groups, and all of these other people that are involved in all of this at the highest and lowest levels. Then you see the CIA, MI6, Mossad, and particularly Mossad with Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, blackmailing, they say, over a thousand politicians globally having sex with young girls or, you know, basically doing drugs or, you know, being with prostitutes or whatever in which they can control these groups of people. And then you end up with Klaus Schwab, who is another Kabbalist Luciferian, who basically is saying that the majority of these people now, like in the cabinet of Canada, are basically people that have gone through his World Economic Forum Institute for global change and to bring in a one-world government. You stop and you go, what the heck? Who are these weirdos? It's always the same group of people. It goes right back to the ancient religions of Canaan, Baal, Moloch, and Asherah. 
you know, in Osiris, in, uh, you know, in, in, you know, in, in, you know, in the Egyptian religions. And when you understand that this is really what's going on and you start to see it, all of a sudden it starts making sense to you because this thing is so twisted and it's so messed up. I mean, who in the world would think that the United States would work with organized crime, that the United States couldn't control the harbor of New York, which was controlled by the unions, which basically was controlled by organized crime? And they would have to go to bed with Lucky Luciana, so to speak, in order to control the outcome of what's going to happen in World War II. Think about that for a second. It's that messed up. And then you start looking at different videos. And I sent this out, and I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I did this. I sent this video out just the other day. And basically what it is, it's Klaus Schwab talking and one of his associates talking about how human beings can be hacked and how we have a new world order and we have to design what the new world order is going to be. And then I, and the guy who's also speaking with Klaus Schwab is Yuval Noah Harari, H-A-R-A-R-I. I'm, I'm now I'm reading this right from Wikipedia. You know, he's an Israeli public intellectual historian and professor in the Department of History at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. He's the author of Homo Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind. He writes about the cognitive revolution that's going to happen in the biotechnological world that we're coming into. And he talked about his early life, and he realized that he was one of three children born to these people over in Israel. And they talk about his academic career and literary career. And then you get back down to his personal life. You say Harari is gay. I mean, duh, we all knew that. So is Klaus Schwab. And they're probably both Kabbalists. I know Schwab is, and I'm pretty sure Harari is probably Schwabist. And in 2002, he met his husband, Istik Yahav, whom he calls my Internet of All Things. And Yaha is also Harari's personal manager, and they married in a civil ceremony in Toronto, Canada, which is also controlled by this same group. Think about that for a second. So we got a gay Jew who's married to a guy talking about taking over the world, hacking human beings, working with Klaus Schwab and the new revolution around the world, and how COVID, the vaccine, and the lockdowns provide a unique opportunity for the world to be taken over by this group. <laughs> And you go, wow, Ted, this is really overwhelming. I don't want to know this much. And my response to you is basically, wow, Ted, this is really overwhelming, and I don't want to know this much. I agree. It's just this is the group, and I wanted to come in here today and just go into this and break this down for you guys. Because when you have a sitting president of the most powerful nuclear power in the world coming in and calling for an overthrow of a president who's the second most powerful country in the world with nuclear weapons, that's just not okay. I mean, that is not okay at all. And, and we've got to understand something. If we continue to allow this to go on and allow this to continue to happen, we're going to find ourselves in a really big mess under this new world order. But I want to cover this with you. The Flying Tigers, Shanghai Czech, the SS Normandy, Lucky Luciano – all of this stuff, this Harari guy, Klaus Schwab, this morning, because it's that important that we see that. And guys, also, here's the thing, too. If we understand who's doing it, we know what to pray, what to come out against it. And last night, I don't know when we talk about stuff like this, but in the Academy Awards, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock upside the head. I got to admit, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a friendly slap. It was a slap upside the head. I'm surprised he didn't knock him down because he had said something about his wife not having any hair, and she got alopecia, and Will Smith went nuts and basically slapped him. And Will Smith was basically comforted by Denzel Washington, who's a Christian. And he told Chris, he told Will Smith this. He goes, the devil comes for you at your highest moment. And I thought, whoa, 
And I'm glad that that actually made Daily Mail. I'll post all of this stuff because, guys, listen to me. <laughs> you know, that's the truth, isn't it? We have to know who our enemy is. This past weekend, I was, I went down to a church down in Palm Beach, and I heard a really good pastor, one of the best speakers, one of the best communicators I've ever known. He's, his name is Pastor David Crank. And I, and I heard his sermon, we were there for his sermon. And what was interesting about this, he said that when we become, when we get in covenant with Jesus, and Jesus is our mediator, and he basically is our intermediary, he's kind of like our attorney he used from the pulpit, which is way more than that, because, you know, Jesus is a blood covenant. But what he does, he's our advocate before the Father. That was what Jim, David was trying to say. And so when Satan comes to talk to you and accuse you of stuff with a blowhorn, starts yelling in your ear and starts accusing you of everything from whatever to whatever from the beginning of your life to current, he doesn't, he doesn't even have the right to talk to you. Are you. Friends, I'm telling you something really important here right now. He doesn't have the right to talk to you. It's like if you have an attorney and you're basically in a court case, they don't have a right to talk to you directly. they got to go through your counsel, through your attorney. And Jesus Christ is our mediator. He is our covenant head. He is the blood covenant son of the most high God. So when Lucifer comes to talk to you, just tell him, I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. You have no right to communicate me. Go. You go talk to Jesus. You go talk to the most high God. You ain't talking to me. Guys, always remember to do that. When he comes to you and he tries to tell you things like, you know, go slap Chris Rock upside the head. Now, Will Smith has an open marriage with his wife. I mean, they're a bunch of heathen. They're they're all about transgenders and all the other weird stuff. I mean, he's, Will Smith is not a good person. You know, you see him in his persona on, you know, on the, on the movies that he does. That ain't the real Will Smith. He's an actor, okay? They have an open marriage. They both have sex with whoever they want to have sex with. They're a bunch of weirdos, okay? They're Hollywood weirdos. But when Satan tells you to come slap somebody upside the head, which he did last night, sometimes you see the step away and then Will Smith ends up winning in the Oscar for best, you know, actor for last year under that movie King Richard with this, you know, with Venus and Serena Williams. I mean, I didn't see the movie. They did very poorly at the box office. I knew the Serena's, Serena and Venus Williams. I worked with them when they were at Greenleaf and they were doing tennis there many years ago. I was their personal coach. I was their, I was their nutritionist and I worked with them and I met King Richard, their father. He was a complete and total jerk. He was a, he makes me want to cuss. He was so bad. He was so, he didn't want to buy the girls. The girls were eating white wonder bread. I kid you not. And I said, dude, at least get these girls organic bread, multi-grain bread that's organic. That's not full of all the sugar and chemicals. And he got all mad at me. He started screaming at me because it costs a couple bucks a loaf for the, for the organic bread versus 29 cents or whatever for the wonder bread. It was ridiculous to be honest with you. It was, it was stupid is what it was. But at least I get to tell you now, you know, 30 years later, probably longer than that now, I guess it was about 30 years, that, you know, I was, you know, the nutritional consultant for Venus and Serena Williams, which is true. I also was a nutritional consultant for Pete, Pete Maravich and his basketball camp and a whole bunch of other people that I won't mention right now. But the point is this, guys, you know, when Satan comes to you and he accuses you, he's the accuser of the brethren. He has no right to speak to you. Always remember that. You say, get behind me, Satan. I don't receive that. And always remember, stand in covenant with the Most High God. I pray for you guys again this morning. I station angels all around you. I pled the bill of Christ over you. I put a hedge of thorns around you. You are in covenant with the Most High God. 
He created the universe. Okay. <laughs> if God be for you, who can be against you? Think through that for a second with me. And when the evil one doesn't even have the right to speak to you now because of Jesus or to accuse you because of Jesus, you need to take hold of that. Hold it. Grip it. And realize that you're in Christ and that you can do all things through Christ and stand against the evil one. Austin has joined us now. So I'm going to go ahead and bring him on, let him finish the show, because I've hogged enough of it today. I love you guys, and I appreciate you. Austin, you with me now? Yes, I'm back up here on the show, and you're absolutely right. There is there is so much stuff that's been continually going on, and I saw, I was listening to a lot of stuff you were talking about with what happened in Russia, the Soviet Union, and Afghanistan. You covered so much information, and you're exactly right on a lot of this stuff. What we've continually watched now is we've watched theater, complete and total theater, that they've continued to tell us, show us, and it's funny because the Oscars, you know, or something I didn't even know were going on last night. I didn't, didn't know anything about it. I don't watch really any of that filth in any of those individuals. That One of the actresses was talking about they are going to have a, a gay, gay, gay Oscar show because they were, she was basically talking about it in reference to the anti-grooming bill down here in Florida. So they were talking about how they're going to promote all the gay stuff they can on the Oscars, and I just kind of laughed and shook my head and went, well – I guess we see again who are the same people that actually want to control and dominate and manipulate the young children. When you have people that are so mad still that there's even a discussion of a bill that we really don't even need because there shouldn't really be even a discussion of why in the world you're not supposed to discuss sexual engagements and sexual orientation and transgender ideology with four- and five-year-olds. We don't really even need a law for that. That should just be something that we don't allow and don't accept because it's not appropriate. It's not age-appropriate. You know, they make movies in Hollywood, right? And they end up having the MPAA rate them. Is it rated R? Is it rated PG-13? Is it rated PG? There's certain age-appropriate guidelines that they monitor in those types of films. For example, you're not going to have a film with, you know, extensive amount of profanity and blood and gore and violence, and it's going to get a PG film. There's certain restrictions on those films on what they allow because of age-specific ratings. It's not age-appropriate. Well, what's interesting about it is a lot of the same things that they want to promote and talk about in school to five and six years old, which really shouldn't see anything more than really a PG movie most of the time, are stuff that most of the cases they couldn't put in a Hollywood film with less than a PG-13 or R-rated film with some of the dialogue they're discussing. I mean the detailed exploits of transgender behavior and gay sex and genitalia and all the stuff they talk about, some of these four- and five- and six-year-olds, they wouldn't even allow it in the Hollywood filth movies if it was less than a PG film. But yet somehow when the kids go to the school, it's totally cool. There's, there's, don't, don't, don't worry about it. This is just what, what they need to learn, what they need to know. This is what they need to do. And as they continue to distract everybody with what's continually happened from taking us from the COVID war to the Ukraine war, and again, it's been one giant theater op after another, and as Pfizer has gotten absolutely obliterated – in main or not, excuse me, in alternative media, even though mainstream media does not want to discuss anything about the Pfizer clinical trials with over 1,200 known adverse side effects from the shot. Now, quietly, Yahoo puts out an article at the end of last week on Friday talking about how Moderna now has requested that the FDA approve their COVID injection 
for children as young as six months old. Now, if you guys have done any research, you've listened to the show, Moderna doesn't even have approval for anything under 18 years of old with this RNA gene therapy shot. Under 18, it's not even approved for Moderna. Pfizer's the only one that got that. So now what they're saying is they did a clinical trial of 7,000 children ages six months to six years old and basically gave them either two doses of the shot or two doses of the placebo, and it worked totally good. It's totally uh, totally safe, totally effective. Um, no need to talk about really any of the clinical trial aspects on Yahoo, but uh, just know it's, it's totally cool. It's, it's totally safe. We can take RNA gene therapy that we don't even have more than a year and a half of true real-world research on, and we're going to give the six-month-olds because, you know, it's science, right? Because COVID's still such a problem. That's why the entire country is no longer even abiding by it because they're so focused on Ukraine. Yet we're still talking about rolling out an RNA gene therapy shot and giving it to six-month-olds. Oh, and, and they said, well, while we're at it, we want to get approval from six-year-old to 18-year-old now too, or 17-year-old. Because, you know, it's a totally safe shot, again, with zero long-term research of what it actually does to the body, including the research we see now with RNA gene therapy, and that it actually does alter the DNA, and that it basically stores in the liver. And you saw the research out of Australia that I talked about. This, again, is going on quietly behind the scenes while they continue to give bread and circus to the masses and continue to stoke up world war. Now, I saw an article from Gerald Salente the other day, and I, I don't agree with everything he says all the time, but he made a very interesting comment, and he was talking about how pretty much as we see, wars almost always fall right after a failing economy. He said this time is really no different. He said what followed the Great Depression? War. What happened again after the dot-com bust? Oh, more war. As soon as the NASDAQ was down 66% before 9-11, what do we have? We have another massive war in Iraq. Now we're seeing the same thing. Now there's been research, not research, there's basically been news reporting out of Russia confirming today that Russia has announced now they will be backing the ruble and pegging it with gold. They said it's official. The Russian Central Bank announced the ruble is bound to gold, 5,000 rubles per gram. Now it's interesting about this. If this fully goes through, if you look at the conversion rate with a troy ounce being 32 grams and 5,000 rubles per gram, which means they're basically coming in at 160,000 rubles per troy ounce, this would essentially, if you peg the conversion on this, between 100 rubles to each dollar roughly, that means that the dollar – if you converted from rubles to dollar, or basically dollars to ruble to gold, you'd be buying an ounce of gold for about $1,600 when using rubles instead of 1900 when using dollars. If this goes through and is confirmed, and India has already talked about going along with this as well and using the ruble to buy oil and bypassing the U.S. dollar as well. If this starts to go through, this is going to wipe out even more purchasing power of the dollar. And gold's probably going to drop for a short, short period, and then it's going to start skyrocketing because people are going to realize you now just have a gold-backed currency for one of the largest oil producers basically in the east. This is going to be interesting. This isn't something that a lot of people, I think, have really started to anticipate, and this is why it's so important that you have certain hedges on what you need, whether it be gold, whether it be platinum, whether it be silver, whether or not and a lot of people are in basically digital currency and stuff. And that, that's you know a lot of platforms, people have been making money with that. Just understand it's very volatile. One thing that I've always told everybody that I've always been concerned about going too heavy in digital currencies, even if you're just playing the market and making money, is the only way to continue to trade this stuff is if you have electricity, 
I've been in Florida my majority of my life, and I've been in numerous times where we've had hurricanes completely wipe out power. I remember back in 04 when we had three hurricanes hit over the exact same place in our county in central Florida in a six-week period. You know, and we were out of power for about eight days. We had a generator that we were running off of the, the house, and basically we were helping other people in the neighborhood have water and stuff. And now I've currently done the same thing in my house and had a full generator system put in with propane and whatnot to keep everything going. But you have to remember, you know, you can have a digital wallet on a SD card, but if there's no power and you go to the gas station, you need to get fuel and you need to get out of town, they're probably not going to take anything less than USD at the time or silver or gold or something that's going to be tradable. Carton of cigarettes, as much as I don't promote smoking, that's always been a staple in the midst of turmoil times where people basically trade different items out they may want, like a watch. This is what people kind of fail to realize when stuff starts to go sideways. And as you can see right now, this buildup of what's going on in the West is nothing short than another cover story in order to keep people confused and distracted because it's they support the, the next thing. It's that meme and joke has been talking about. It's the next thing they support, and that's what continually goes on. Now, at the same time, we're seeing, and I warned everybody this was going to start happening, when they start rolling out the EV vehicles – and the gasoline engine vehicles are slowly becoming extremely priced out of the market and four, five, six, seven, eight dollars a gallon for fuel is so expensive. People start going to EV and the demand for EV goes up. The overall cost and pricing for EV will also continue to go up. And they try to tell everybody it's cost effective and it's the new thing you need to do is buy an electric car. The problem with it is now. Morgan Stanley just came out on Zero Hedge, and they said that soaring lithium prices could spark a massive demand destruction for EV vehicles. Lithium, which is a key ingredient in the manufacturing of vehicle batteries, has jumped so significantly over the past year that EV manufacturers are having to raise vehicle costs. Imagine that. Morgan Stanley points out that demand destruction could be possible if EV prices increase too much in response to soaring commodity prices. Morgan Stanley's Jack Lute told clients Thursday the cost of lithium has jumped five fold over the last year, stating now that lithium is costing $74,000 per ton, which is significantly higher it was than just two years ago. He said historically, the battery price cost curve has declined at a pace of 3% annually on a cost-benefit analysis. He said the world has changed along with the new paradigm of input costs, but the price explosion tells you that lithium supply is simply nowhere near enough to feed the demand surge that we even have right now, much less switching everything to net zero pollution. We don't want to have any type of pollution at all. Everything needs to be EV. As I've laughed and joked with people that have made that moronic comment, not only is that unattainable as far as in the current industrial world that we have, that's also currently impossible keeping the electric grid at anything relatively normal, having millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of cars over each state that are plugged in every single day, charging and basically juicing power down all the time. They're now saying that basically the average cost, the base cost of an EV vehicle is around $56,000 now, which is significantly higher, even compared to an internal combustion engine car with premiums on it. I'm the sticker on a new Honda Civic right now, if you can find one without ridiculous premiums, which you can if you push the market and you actually do your own research. But, you know, about mid-20s, you know, dollars $24,000 for a nice little Honda Civic that gets 40 miles a gallon, 50 miles a gallon, depending on what motor you get. And obviously, 
it's something that's going to be very, very reliable. It's going to maintain very strong resale value. I know people that bought Honda Civics and Honda vehicles before and been able to buy them and get in them good and drive them for two, three, four years and not lose really virtually anything compared to what you do with the EV vehicles that have an enormous drop-off on the resale value after about four to five-year mark because the battery life starts to decrease so far, and trying to replace the batteries in those cars is virtually impossible. And that's the next thing that I asked somebody the other day. They were talking about EV cars. I said, what's going to happen if, say, we do start switching over to 60 70 80% of cars are EV? Right? What happens in eight to ten years now when those cars are toast? You can't really change the batteries, and the cars are almost built around the batteries. I said, the cars are basically useless. The batteries are the expensive part. I said, what are we going to do? Just have giant empty wastelands of Tesla cars and EV cars that are basically useless? We're going to scrap all of them? You're going to recycle all of them? What, how are you going to recycle all those lithium-ion batteries? It's one of the most toxic compounds we've ever seen in a battery substance. And you have to – I think uh, – Ted was telling me the other day, I think you have to have, what, 500,000 pounds – of earth move to make enough to get enough lithium to basically make enough for batteries for one car i mean it's insane if you look at lithium ion lithium strip mining but yet they're continually pushing the narrative that's why i've told people don't get involved in it don't support it and sure as heck don't promote it because they know where they're taking this this whole entire thing has been staged theater from the very beginning and they want everybody to continue to go and follow the narrative that they tell you to follow. The World Economic Forum put a tweet out yesterday from Klaus Schwab. I was talking about him earlier, and it said the Internet must be reformed. There is too much misinformation out there. This will be the next step for the Great Reset. This is only Wednesday. He puts out. This is, this is Klaus Schwab. The Internet must be reformed. Well, of course, as you know, what that term means is we need to have complete and total censorship and not allow anything online that we don't approve of. There's too much misinformation out there. This is the next step for the Great Reset. Well, how about we just don't support the Great Reset or whatever reset occurs? It's on our watch. How about we stop complying and start going along with the narrative that they say? How about we stop listening and following mandates that aren't lawful? How about we start going along with biblical principles again and we continue to promote goodness and justice and ethics and morals and biblical rights and biblical laws? Uh, that's, that's a concept that I guess a lot of people have fallen off of. Instead of constantly promoting this New World Order agenda, stop supporting the groups that are running the Oscars, that are going around giving you this theater and talking about how they're going to have a gay Oscar. You know, I, I saw some of the memes that popped up online, and I'm not even convinced, quite frankly, that that whole thing with Chris Rock and basically Will Smith wasn't staged theater last night. Because it sure got an insane amount of coverage on every single news platform, even on social media platforms. I don't know. All I know is what I saw last night, and basically the only short little video I saw of it, was two actors on a stage being actors doing what they do. Now, was Will Smith mad? I don't know. I don't know. They're actors, guys. They're at the Oscars. <laughs> they get paid to act for a living. They're professional actors. So is it more bread and circus for the masses, or Will Smith really get mad? I don't know. Not my problem. Don't care about either one of those clowns. One thing I do know is it's not going to distract me from getting the real truth about what's going on and continuing to promote what it really matters. And that's why I've encouraged people. I talked to a friend last night, and they were frustrated about something that stressed out. I said, listen, I said, you can let 
a little stress and a little, a little worry focus you and motivate you in a certain direction. Okay, listen, this little, little bit of worry right here. This is, this is healthy. I need to make sure I'm not doing this or I'm being cautious getting involved in this and investing in this or stepping out on this. But at the end of the day, make your decision, pray about it, and go along with it. You know, I've talked to a lot of people over the last couple weeks that have been really stressed about stuff. I'm like, listen, give it to God if you can't figure it out. Pray about it for a night. I've done that on numerous things. Take a step back, especially if it's a really, really big decision. It's rough. And it happens on a rare occasion. It does happen on a rare occasion. But sometimes you get a position where you don't have an option. You have to make a decision right now, and both options are horrible. And I'll tell you right now, that's a bad position to be in. But it doesn't happen very often. I can say that, especially if you plan accordingly and do the best you can to make the right decision. So, again, Thank you, my friends. Continue to get the truth and the support out there. Thank you for supporting Health Masters and promoting the show the best you can. We do this every single day to try to bring you the news and updates the best we can. So thank you for supporting Health Masters. If you need anything, check out the website at healthmasters.com. We got more iodine back in stock again. Huge amount of that because I know a lot of people are stocking up on it for numerous reasons. But I've, I've told people even before there's a panic buy like people are trying to do. It's a very, very important product for the immune system along with the vitamin C and D3. So continue to get the truth and get the news out there, the real true news, I should say. You guys have a blessed, safe, awesome night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow as always. Broadcasting to the U.S. and around the world by way of clear digital audio, 22,500 miles above the planet. This is the Global Star Radio Network.